0: Kind of astounds me now that nobody thought about hiring women to be assistant directors before that.
1: And welcome to Best in Fest. I'm Leslie Lepage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for everyone who wants to learn more about making films, TV, for the grand audience of the world and learning the dirty little secrets that make Hollywood tick. Today, I'm super excited um, to have an alum on today's Best and Fest, Marty Elkin, who is a fabulous female director or extraordinary. Let me uh, tell you a little bit about her. You know, she's got this uh, short film, Ladies Most Deject, which ended up winning 19 major awards in, oh my gosh, over 36 film festivals and counting. She also had a directorial debut uh, with Next of Kin, which features Academy Award winning Octavia Spencer, along with uh, Emmy nominee Ed Begley Jr. and others, known actors. The film was selected to be part of the DGA Director's Finder series, which is really cool. Uh, Some of her other credits include an episode of Fox's Beyond Belief. But she really uh, started her career off working as an AD, and bringing that experience to her directing style along with her photographic photography background. So welcome, Marty. How are you?
0: (laughs) I am doing great, Leslie. And I, I know you didn't ask for this, but I have got to just right off the bat, tell everyone what a fantastic festival La Femme International Film Festival is. I have been to so many festivals because I've done quite a few short films that were in festivals, and I have never had so Mm -hmm. much fun. If you guys, if you get in the festival go. It is the most wonderful time. So professionally done. I mean, studios put on evenings of, of dinners and conversation. And it was it was just extraordinary. We I've never had so much fun at a festival. And that was before I even knew we won. <laughs> yeah,
1: there you go. Yeah, because, you know, we don't actually tell you guys that you win until the moment you win.
0: And that was exciting. Oh, my gosh, my heart was beating out of my chest. It was just so it was so unexpected, because it's such a spectacular festival and so professionally done. And I mean, I, I, I can't say enough great things about it. So what an honor to win that festival, because I've just always thought so much of it. And that just blew me away. So that was icing on the cake to a great festival already. <laughs>
1: awesome. Thanks. Well, let's 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 talk about you. Okay. So where on earth did you get this this bug this bitten <laughs> feeling to go, you know, I think I'm going to do entertainment as opposed to anything else in the world you could do.
0: <laughs> yes, what a silly idea that is, right? <laughs> what a silly uh, well, <laughs>
1: What? Well, how crazy you
0: were! How? What crazy person would do that? Um, well, and, and it's funny you should say that because I grew up in Lynchburg, Virginia—not exactly the movie capital of the world, <laughs> or even of anything of the, anything. I mean, there were no movies there. I never thought about working behind the scenes, and I actually grew up in theater, did children's theater all my life, and um, and uh, then. As I got older, did a lot of theater in Virginia, and had decided actually to. Well, I was going to the University of Virginia in the theater department, where Tina Fey went. Not at the same time, though. Uh, And (laughs) I—that's funny. That would have been.
1: There's a movie movie right there just for that. You know, Uh, the the pre the pre Tina Fey.
0: (laughs) Any day I do uh, so. Uh, I had decided to go into still photography for a living. I did a lot of research on careers that might be big in the next decade. And I decided on still photography, which I loved. had found a program uh, in Europe, in in Austria, uh, that would take place on the estate where Sound of Music was filmed. Nothing but still photography for the entire year I was in. I was just... I was so excited. So I spent months, my last six months at UVA, you know, (laughs) studying German and art history and taking photography classes. I was so ready. And a month before the program was supposed to start, they canceled it. And I hadn't re-enrolled it. Yeah, I hadn't re-enrolled at UVA because I thought I was going to be in Europe for a year. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just absolutely lost and devastated. and. A month later, you won't believe this, but I was working at King's Dominion in the live stage shows, you know, I was in the melodrama, because I was doing a lot of acting, and I was in the melodrama, and, um, you know, it was one of the, uh, King's Dominion is, it's, it's like Disneyland on a slightly smaller scale, but they have stage shows everywhere, and so I was in, and so I was working at the park, and Universal Studios came to that park to make a movie. And I got hooked. I just got hooked. And I heard about this thing called the Assistant Director's Training Program. And you had to take a test to get into the program. And I had always scored very high on SAT tests. And I went, oh, wow, that's what I'm going to do. So, so because you had nothing, because you had nothing else. You didn't have a
1: fallback plan. You had like nothing else to do. I was
0: going to. Absolutely. I was, I I was open. I was totally, (laughs) let's do that. Yeah. How hard could that be? Right? Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) so so I, I saved up my money. I saved up like a thousand dollars to move to LA, which is ridiculous, but I saved up my money. Yeah. (laughs) And then moved to Hollywood and was going to apply for the program only to find that you had to have a college degree to apply. And I had only had two years at UVA. So I didn't know what I was gonna do. I had moved all that way to try to get into the program. So I ended up getting into the uh, UCLA film and television program. First I had to establish residency for a year because I couldn't afford out of state tuition. And then I went to UCLA for two more years and got my degree. Now I could apply for the program. Only there was a, uh, a, I think it was a writer strike or maybe a writer strike, or it might have been a SAG strike. I think it was a Screen Actors Guild strike. So they didn't have the program that year. So here I've now invested four years trying to get into this program that I wasn't even able to get into. But long story short, I finally did get into the program and I'm telling you, it was a dream come true because... Um, I mean, I think I think they said twelve to fifteen hundred people apply every year, and they choose a dozen. So I was insane. I had spent four years pursuing something that I had that small odds of getting into, and had no clue,
1: and had absolutely no clue that that it was that small of odds, and that you would even make it. No,
0: gosh, oh no, no, no. That yeah. So I really lucked out. And, uh, so I was in the training program for two years and they put you on shows to give you the training. Um, I mean, they basically throw you it's on the, on the set learning. Basically they, you have to do the work of an assistant director while you're learning how to do the work of an assistant director. And I did that. So I did that for, um, it was a two-year program. And then thank goodness, knock on wood, I, I made enough contacts on shows while I was in the program that I never had to look for work. I I got hired as a second AD, second, second, and then pretty quickly was a key second, which is the top uh, second, second position.
1: For those listening, it's the top of the food chain of the ADs (laughs) for the second second. Yeah, exactly. And
0: bump up. And then top of that is the first assistant. And so I was only a second AD for Yeah, I was only a second for five years and then became a first assistant director and did that for a few decades. So I worked on about ah, 65, 70 productions, something like that, 70 different productions all over the country. And I mostly did movies like Driving Miss Daisy and Steel Magnolias and um, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of it was fun. It was very fun. So, did that for quite a few years.
1: Let's take a pause right there for, wait, wait, hold on. Let's take a pause right there for that one second. So for people listening, for yeah, exactly. For people listening in, there weren't a lot of female ADs working at that time during this decade that she was working as a female AD. So to get booked on yeah, exactly. To get booked on driving Miss Daisy and some of these iconic films of that decade was amazing. I just want to take a a segment and just and just find out what what was your learning experience out of working with these directors on these now looking back iconic films as one of the few females other than probably costume and makeup that were on set.
0: You know, I was so lucky. That was exactly, you've pinned it. That was exactly why the assistant director's training program was created in the first place, because hate to say it, but the sons of the white directors kept getting the, the uh, first assistant, uh, the assistant director jobs, because that was, it it was a very male uh, industry and a very white male industry. Yeah. So it was uh the whole program was created to try to get women and minorities into the the job market because it had been uh strictly relatives and, you know, friends of relatives to, to get the jobs before. So I I was very lucky and had such a great experience. Um I mean, obviously I didn't have to I, it, it kind of astounds me now that nobody thought about hiring women to be assistant directors before that, because because it's not like I had to lift uh, 200 pounds to do the job. You had to be able to figure out who had to be where, when, and how to get the work done and the time allotted and um, figure out, you know, as a first, had how to schedule the show to get the most efficient and effective Work done in the shortest amount of time and, uh, you know, and coordinate everything and work with all the departments so that everybody knew what everybody was supposed to be doing. That's not a gender-based job at all. It shouldn't be, you know, so so I was
1: very right. lucky. It shouldn't be, but it was. It was. Yeah, but it was. Right. And, and how was it at that time, you know, pushing around this male-dominated crew? Did you have issues with camera, grip, electric, who were at that time predominantly male, predominantly Caucasian male, uh, listening to a female calling, you know, Cantor on set and telling you what to do and how come this isn't done and etc.
0: Well, you know, it's <laughs> funny because uh, I've had people ask me that uh, over the years and, and while I was doing it saying, isn't it hard being a first AD? Well, I never thought about it. So it wasn't, if that makes sense, because my philosophy was, if you're, if you've got a good sense of humor, (laughs) which is vital, (laughs) if you, if you (laughs) communicate, if you communicate what you, what needs to be done, people want to do a good job. So if you're keeping people informed, they'll come back and give you information And as long as you're disseminating information and you're giving them the right information, um, they don't really care where it comes from. So the only people I ever had a couple of extras, uh, you know, uh, and, and, I remember a transportation captain who was not used to working with a woman, and he didn't he didn't he didn't, teamsters, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think they yeah. just weren't used yeah. to working with women and
1: they wouldn't just, yeah, yeah, I had that issue too, did you
0: did you really interesting, <laughs> yeah, but for the most part, the crew, you know, if they liked you and you were keeping them informed, and you know, if you could say, Hey guys, instead of, um, we've got two more shots looking this direction. Then we're going to be heading over into the jail set. So let's start clearing stuff out of there. And, uh, cause we'll be rehearsing there in just a few minutes. They go clear the set because that's what their job is. And it, it's not like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> they just, you know, so, so no, I, I never thought about it being a problem because I wasn't there in the days of an all male film crew. So it didn't occur to me that it would be an issue. And so it wasn't, thank goodness.
1: (laughs) See, that's funny. When I was working as a first AD, I I used humor as well, but then I, I also, you know, got a really bad sailor, sailor mouth (laughs) to to keep up with, you know, the boys. Uh, So that and the, and the humor, uh, the sailor mouth and the humor worked for me, but yes, I had one of those teamster drivers that gave me grief too. (laughs) Big boy, New York, New York Bronx, big boy. That'd be just, interesting
0: to see if it was the same guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just didn't like being uh, told what to do by a girl. Um, anyway, so then from, from there, you took this experience and how did you make that, that jump over to that first, um, you know, short film? That first where you decided, uh, you know, after seeing all these directors that you wanted to step up and start doing that.
0: Well, you know, at, when I first started ADing, I went, oh, my gosh, how could any, you know, I was I started like on Hill Street Blues. So, you know, that, that was iconic too, you know, and, and the opening shot would be all the way through, you know, through the whole patrol room and through the, the uh, pen, uh, the bullpen, and then through the office and through, I I mean, the shots, I was going, oh my gosh, how would anybody ever figure that out?
1: And you were also there at Hill Street Blues when they started that, that motion camera, which was really the first time they had used that kind of in, you know, filmed series, which, Threw everyone for a loop when it was very successfully received.
0: It was it was definitely an iconic uh, TV changing television show. So yeah, it was. um, So yes, I found directing at that point going. Oh my gosh, this is who would ever figure this out? Well, I kind of got over that because years go go by, and I'm a second, and then I'm a first, and every once in a while, you'd work with a director who uh, just hadn't really. Done their homework, or suddenly I would, they'd be sending me in to talk to the actors and say, Tell them to do this, you know. And I was going, I don't think this is how it's supposed to be. So, anyway, um, and also, you know, I, as an AD, I'm telling somebody else's story. I'm helping somebody else tell their story. That's my whole goal is to help them tell the best story they can possibly tell in the best, most efficient way possible. But that's not my story. You know, I, I made a point, uh, I, I turned down 10 jobs for everyone I took as an AD because I really wanted to work on things that had a positive message or that my family could watch. I really made a point of picking and choosing. And thank goodness I had that uh, ability to do that. Um, but I, um, I, I started, I got to the point where I thought, you know, I would like to tell my stories, my way. I just want to, I want to get in there. So that was, um, I, I had found a, a very funny script called There Goes the Groom about um, a woman who's, you know, in her fifties, who's pretty much giving up, given up on life. And she goes to visit her father at an old age home. And he to her total surprise finds him about to get married like right then and she wasn't invited so it's a very funny script very very witty uh script and and i just thought it would be so much fun to make a short film because i was kind of getting the directing itch and bug about that time so um Made that film and it it went, and that was back in the days of film. We did not have digital anything, you know, so that was a whole different can of worms. That was, that was very.
1: Cutting on negative and. Yeah. Cutting on negative on an old steam back and yeah,
0: doing all that. It was very different then. Um, and very expensive. <laughs> so so I didn't make a whole lot of those, but when I did, they were expensive. Um, but anyway, made that film and got to direct. I was working on, while I was working on that film, I was also working on the movie, um, My Favorite Martian. Uh, that And uh, so at the when I finished my film, I kind of jokingly said to the producers, All right, nobody goes home tonight until you watch my movie. Because it was 10 minutes long, you know. Nobody goes home. <laughs> and lo and behold, they did. And one of the producers gave me my first DGA directing job on Beyond Belief. So I had I got to uh I got to direct one of the stories on Beyond Belief with Dick Van Patten was in it. And um so that i thought was going to launch my career and he says oh we're going to have we're going to have you do more of these you did a great job and then the show moved to canada so they could only hire canadian directors so that part didn't happen but i was getting meetings and and uh i i won't say it was um an overwhelmingly i mean i got to direct some things but that was still in the late 90s and getting into the early uh, 2000s. So I I hate to say this, but uh, I literally went to two, I had meetings on two shows that were definitely things that I could have directed that, you know, would not, were not, there was not, no explosions, no car crashes. It was just good storytelling with characters. And coming from a theater background, that was what I, I loved telling character stories but two literally two producers at who on two different shows said yeah we had a woman here last season and that didn't work out so so I didn't get the job I was like that that wasn't me did I look do I look familiar
1: (laughs) right but they wrote you off they wrote you off at that time because they had had one bad experience and so all of women couldn't direct
0: all of women could not direct Correct. from there yeah, yeah yeah
1: i, I listen I, and during that time frame i had those same same comments i mean i was hustling latin projects i'm a i'm a latina and i was hustling latin projects and they were telling me latins don't go to the movies and you're a female latin. who would ever give you the opportunity to direct and and so it, it was it was a lot of no's back then for you know women of color you know, Caucasian women, just women in general, we were not being allowed to go play. But then from there, you did have an opportunity.
0: Yeah. So then, so I started, I was, I was going every kind of angle I could figure to get directing work. I was, you know, going to meetings and, uh, you know, uh, and, and I thought, okay, I need to I I was directing more and more films, more and more short films that were doing the festival circuit. I was really trying everything I could think of. And I was shadowing. I set up my own shadowing long before the, the studio shadowing programs. I set up my own shadowing experiences because I'd met so many directors as a first AD. I would go to them and say, Hey, you're directing that TV show division. Can I come shadow with you? And, it was directors that you know were had become friends because we had worked together so i shadowed on so many shows one of the first shows was any day now and michael zinberg was directing and he didn't know me from anybody. he didn't even know i was going to be shadowing i got i got uh, um the producer i had written a letter to uh to nancy miller the creator of the show and said I just love the show. It's I'm from the South. I grew up in integration. I I really, that show means a lot to me. And she, her office called me and said, how'd you like to come shadow, but didn't tell Michael Zinberg. So I show up to shadow and he goes, who's this? Well, fortunately it worked out because literally eight years later, he heard about a script that was written by a woman. And, um, it was about a a woman and they were looking for an up and coming director, meaning they didn't have a lot of money to pay. So, (laughs) so he, he said, he called me. I mean, literally this is eight years after I had shattered with him when he didn't even know who I was. And he said, I think I've got a movie you might be able to direct. And it worked out. And I had three weeks of prep. Um, for a movie called Next of Kin, and uh, the producer, bless his heart, um, uh, fortunately, I just finished another short film at that point, so I had a showcase piece of something recent that I could show them, and they hired me, and um, it was, I tell you, Leslie, having a theater background and a photography background and an assistant director background all those jobs. I felt like I was so at home. All those jobs came together in directing. And it was the most fun I have ever had because it just made sense. It just, it was everything I had worked on my my entire life coming together in one job. Uh, It was very hard. We had almost no budget. And the producer had a medical issue come up. We only had three weeks of prep because we had to shoot. We were shooting with a 14 year old little boy and he was about to start school. So we literally had 12 days to shoot and we had to shoot him by a certain time. And, uh, the producer got really ill and was in the hospital the whole last week of prep. And we didn't have a. We couldn't afford a location manager. We couldn't afford another producer. We could, so I was the one running around getting locations, trying to set deals with the prop house, and try and and you know trying to do casting. So it was a trial by fire. But once I was on the set, it just felt so great. I mean, like I knew how much time we had, and I knew how to economize the shooting. Because I had to deal with a 14-year-old boy who had, had, I think he had 10-hour working days. And I, you know, I had to figure out how, and he was in everything. So it, it just, everything I'd all done came together in that job, which was so much fun. It was really fun.
1: And it ended up getting distribution and doing well in the, you know, world of film.
0: Sadly, it didn't uh, get domestic distribution yet. Uh, It's on Tubi now, but it did get some foreign distribution. Uh, The producer um, was a new producer and had hired some sales agents, but um, they did not do him a very good service. Uh, So uh so that was sad because it's a really I think it the movie holds up well and gosh, Octavia Spencer was in it for heaven's sakes. So um you can see it on Tubi um at the moment. And uh it was I think I think it turned out very well. I was very proud of that. But it didn't get me, it didn't launch the big career that I thought it would, because it didn't get domestic distribution right away. So there's that.
1: But that didn't stop you from making and continuing, you know, directing. Because you've also continued doing short films as a director. And and that hasn't just stopped you just because you haven't, you know, didn't get that whatever step up.
0: I also, uh, while I was pursuing other things, I wanted to create a project on my own. Not just short films, but I was taking sign language. I had studied sign language forever ago. And went to this class, and the teacher was deaf, but hilariously funny bob hilterman he he's he's also an actor and he's he's also the drummer for the world's only all deaf band called beethoven 's nightmare i i can 't make this stuff up. So but he was hilarious and the class was so popular literally they had to bring in extra chairs every class people were sitting on bookcases so many people just loved his class and I was looking for a project that I could do that I could create that you know nobody else would stop me nothing would get in my way I could do, I could make something and it could be useful to the world and so I talked to him about creating this sign language series called Shut Up and Sign and we made uh uh, several episodes that sold nationally. And it's won all kinds of awards. And they're the funniest way I've ever seen to make sign language I mean, to a, a, funniest way I've ever seen to learn sign language. And I've watched a lot of videos. Most of them are pretty boring. And this is really fun. And and he plays all the characters. And So that was a project that I thought, you know, while I'm waiting for other things to happen. Let me, let me do this, which is fun. And then also I was working on feature. Um, I had a bunch of feature projects, feature film scripts that had come to me and oh, I can't tell you how many of them came so close to getting made. There was one script we had the funding for three different times and then it would fall through. And then we'd go again and they go, Oh yeah, we've really got to make this script. And then something would happen. So that was, that's why I kind of made shut up and sign because it was just so frustrating waiting, waiting for other people to give the okay and the green light and the money.
1: Right. Right. So you took your career in your own hands and went ahead and, you know, made an entity you could make, which is, you know, I I, I think the only way to, to get anything done in this industry is you've just got to mantle it yourself. So, um, but then you got hooked up, um, and, um, and went on to also create a short film, right? Ladies Most Deject, which, you know, went through the festival circuit and and has done really, really well, winning, um, yeah, really well. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that process for you, what that was all about, how you brought together um, the other producer on that, what he did for the project.
0: Well, actually, it was the other way around, um Mark uh Mark Sawyer had gone and I think Melissa Wharton were the two producers on it and they wanted to make this film and uh uh went they went to uh, a seminar they went to I don't know if it was showbiz expo or they went to some kind of convention and uh went to they wanted they knew they wanted a women di- woman director because it was all you know, women starred and women women written and women produced. Melissa was the uh woman producer. And they went um to uh spe- I, I'm also in the Alliance of Women Directors, which is a wonderful organization for women directors, by the way. It's over four hundred women directors um who are very supportive of each other in their projects. And I ended up being on the board of that for four years. But at any anyway, rate, the uh the person who uh Jennifer uh, Jennifer Warren was the one who started, uh, Alliance of Women Directors and she was speaking at this convention. So they wanted to go and see if they could pick, you know, find out about women directors. And she said, we've just, just created this database on our website where you can do a search for women directors and find which, you, you know, if they've done short films or they do comedies or whatever. And so they, um, went, did a filter to see, you know, who had directed short films that had won awards. I don't know what they filtered. And they came across me and somehow in my bio, I said that I was from Virginia and their company was based in Virginia. And they went, she would probably understand the, because it's about a, a young teenage girl who's struggling to take care of her siblings because her mom is a meth addict and just trying to figure out how to get through life. And so um, they called me. We absolutely hit it off. We met and were just immediately in love with each other. And so they actually hired me for the project. They already had the project going. They knew they wanted to shoot. They had, they wanted to shoot in Appalachia, uh, where this whole issue was pretty big right then. And, uh, they wanted a woman director and that just, so I was, I was the one that was very blessed and very lucky that they came across my my resume. So that's how that started. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it has yielded great results. So where do you see yourself in the next five years and what are you working on now?
0: Well, uh, still have several directing projects that, you know, always trying to get funding for. I had a project um, called Sacred Thursday that it's about a group of women who um, play bridge in the South. And uh, it's it's not quite a farce, but a very funny script. And While I was working in on Nancy Drew as an AD on Nancy Drew, the movie in Atlanta, I got this call from a producer who's very well known, who said, I think you should direct this movie out of the blue. And he said, but I'd really like for you to meet the writer. But she lives in Atlanta. He had no idea I was in Atlanta at the time. And I went, I'll go meet her. (laughs) And we Totally hit it off, and we've been trying to get this movie made. It's been a lot of places and been considered. hasn't quite got the funding yet, but we're still working on that. In the meantime, this last year, I um, uh, hope to follow in your footsteps. Uh, My friend of mine and I just got sick of seeing bad news everywhere we turned, and we started working on a podcast, just telling funny. She's very funny. Sherry is one of the funniest people I know she's in Colorado she moved to Colorado but we wanted to do something together and we just started telling funny stories about our childhood and just simpler times you know just funny funny things to spark people's memory and just give them something to listen to other than the bad news that's everywhere. And, uh, it's called just, just jiggle the handle. And we just launched it a couple of weeks ago, but we spent the last year working on 30 episodes that we're, we've launched four. I'm um, just about, when we get off, I'll be launching the fifth episode and it's had nowhere near your success. In the first week we had 500 downloads, but it's, I, I strive to be you, Miss Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> because your your there. podcast is extremely successful. I'm just so impressed. I'm so impressed. And good stuff. You have really good stuff on. I'm-
1: and good stuff. Yeah, we uh we lo- we're into what one year and four months. Yeah. So we're a year and four or five months into it. So, um, you know, we're super happy, uh, that it's had such success. Thank you to people like you, you know, sharing their stories and, and, and how they got where they got. So what's your piece of advice for young filmmakers, you know, coming up the ranks, young women filmmakers, uh, that, um, you can bestow to us.
0: Yeah, if you want to be a director, I you just have to like go all in and do the be- make the best short film you can possibly make and get it into festivals. <laughs> I know it sounds so easy, right? But uh you do get more attention if you get into festivals and um and you've got like a really solid piece of work. And make what you want to direct. Uh, you know, if you like character pieces, you know, make a character piece. If you want to be on the big action film, make a big action, make a big action film as your budget budget will allow. But make something that knocks people's socks off. And like I say, it's so much easier said than done. Um, I uh, I actually wrote down for a seminar that I was um, actually teaching or or it was at a film festival in Virginia, actually. And they said, what advice do you give? So I said, well, how about this? And I had made up a list. Um, uh, One of my, one of my things was if, uh, if you want to, especially if you want to get into acting, but even in production, um, if you can work locally and build up credits and relationships, I find that to be really helpful because when I was looking for, say, production assistants, uh, I already knew 200 people I'd already worked with. So somebody trying to break into the business without any credits, uh, their resume wouldn't even cross my desk. And same thing with acting. I really feel like you have to, um, be, uh, if you can get credits, in Atlanta or, or somewhere else, if you can build up those credits on recognizable shows, that's going to be a lot. Like when we went to, when Nancy Drew went to Atlanta, we had four or five people from LA and the other 22 parts were from, you know, they cast locally. So it's a lot easier to get those parts. Yeah. If you're trying to be a director, I highly advise you to learn Final Cut Pro, learn how to edit Final Cut Pro or a a similar program, an editing program. So you really get a sense of what cuts together, what footage is needed, um, transitions. It just, it just is such, you can shoot a film, but if you don't know how it comes all to get together, I can't say enough about learning an editing program and they're easy, they're cheap and they're, you know, easy to learn now. Um, let people know your goals. Nobody can help you if they don't know what you're looking for, but I always say, ask for advice. Don't ask for a favor because people love to give advice. If you say, I need to ask a favor, everybody goes, oh no, please. I'm not, no, I'm busy that day. Um, uh, To get an agent, ask to be, ask somebody to recommend you because I've heard that 85% of the agents don't, uh, only uh, uh, 85% of the new clients come from referrals or people they know.
1: Or those that they've seen in the film festival that have won, you know, also they've, they look at winners of film festivals. Yes. Those that have successfully traveled through the fest, festival circuit.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So what's a
1: dirty little secret that, um, our last question, what's a dirty little secret that you wish, gosh, somebody had told you that you have learned along your travels that you can share with us?
0: Ah, uh, don't take no for an answer. Um, when I first moved out here, (laughs) when I first moved out here, I had, uh, uh, you know, I, I tried to get a production assistant job and they said no. So I never called them again. Well, two weeks later that could change. So don't take no for an answer.
1: Excellent. So uh, sh- shout out uh, some of your socials if, uh, y- you know, people want to reach out to you and ask your advice.
0: Well, uh, you can always reach me through my directing website. Oh, I'm also doing a lot of acting. I didn't even mention that. That's kind of where I'm focusing right now. While the directing projects are simmering, I'm doing a lot of acting and auditioning and uh love it because that's where I started. So if anybody wants to reach me through, they can go to the website, Marty Elkin actress. It's M A R T Y E L C A N. Nobody spells it that way. Actress.com. Or they can go through my, uh, uh, director site, which is, um, Marty That's for the directing. Um, and I think, I think I sent you the, I forgot. I think it's Marty Elkin for Twitter. Is that right? I think it's Marty Elkin, M A R T Y Elkin.
1: Okay. Well, you know, that's what we'll say. You know, I'm, I'm, everyone listening in, you can, you can navigate it. Right. Listen, I want to thank you so much, Elkin, Marty Elkin, for joining us on Best in Fest. For all those who want to see the video component, you can go to the uh, YouTube channel on La Femme International Film Festival. Make sure you rate us, rank us, tell us how much you love us, and uh, tell others about the podcast so they can learn from these wonderful, experienced women and men and people of color that we've had on the podcast. And I look forward to forward to our next guest on Best and Fest. Thank you, Marty.